Hey, 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 it's your boy Big Ike with Real Talk, and I am here with my La Femia. My family's here. I love these guys. My primo here is Mr. Ty DePass and his beautiful wife, Berta. And I just want to say thank you guys for coming into my beautiful city. Thank you for coming here and enjoying yourself and loving me and my beautiful wife, Lorraine. But um, the question, they like, I'm always at odds, but with Ty, it's this guy is an activist. He is a real, true fight the power activist. I'm talking about, I'm not even going to call that man who lives in the White House name, but he's been fighting this dude since back in the late 60s, early 70s. The Mango Man. The Mango Man. Little Orange, whatever you want to call him. Tang. Tang. Okay, she calls him Tang. I call him 45. I could call him some other things, but we're going to... Captain Bonespur. Yeah, Captain Bonespur, who, who who walked away from going to the military. We're not going we're not gonna bring that up. But, hello, sir. How are you today? Man, I am enjoying the hell out of myself. Great, great, you great. You just took us over to, to, to hear some some real New Orleans uh, coming down here. Coming down here for 20 years since uh, our honeymoon. Wow. It's down here 20 years ago, and we try to come back every year because we've got to recharge here or in Havana. Yeah, well, you know, this is, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the thing about this place, and you're going to get to meet Juan one day, but the thing about this place is this is the most northern city in the Caribbean. I mean, Miami, but this is the northern city who still do the clave. And I hear this in my mind. That's how my heart beats. You know, I went through cancer and everything and had to go through the radiation. And I listened to the clave. I listened to the music. The drums that I played kept me alive. You know, and my wife was like, you okay? She was like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm winning. I'm going to win any way it goes. But when you had to work the things you were working back in the 70s, and you know, you started off. How how old were you when you started to be an activist? Oof. I was fifteen. Wow. Nineteen sixty-four. Wow. My first job was in the anti-poverty programs. Okay. And uh, I got drafted as an organizer out of that. Okay. And Vietnam came up in the sixties. I was drafted in nineteen sixty-eight. Wow. And had to tell folks that this brown behind was not available for their war. Come on. Yeah, so they arrested wow. me. So you was you was you was fighting the power way back when? Yes, because of who inspired me. My great aunt Sissy, who's from down here. Aunt Sissy. Moved up during the Great Migration. The first rip. The first rip up to Harlem. During the Renaissance time. Doing that whole thing. And the, the, the Harlem rent strikes. Yeah. Adam Clayton Powell, Daddy Grace, yeah. all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. You know, she she witnessed all that, and uh, you know, she helped me deal with my discovery of what it meant to be black in 1955 when I was six years old. And Jet Magazine published those photos <coughs> of, 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 of Emmett Till. Till. And, and you know, folks didn't realize that leaving the jet sitting out on the coffee table 
but I was going to pick it up and look at it. Yeah. And nobody wanted to talk about it, but Aunt Sissy said, let me tell you what's happening, Ronnie. This is the real tip. Yeah. And you had, she, she told me I had a choice. I could either spend my life in fear and hiding, or I could become what she called a race man. Yeah. And an activist and fight. So I chose becoming a race man. Now I call it becoming a peace and social justice activist. All right. All right. And you know, and I know she told you about when they hung Bra Moore on the bridge oh. in Labadeville. Oh, yeah. And you know, when they came to hang Bra Moore on the bridge, they came to my great grandfather's and great grandmother's house looking for our cousin, which was well, my uncle and your cousin, Uncle Blackjack, Newman Giyak. Mm -hmm. They came to look for him, and my grandfather, Ralph Collins, ran them off. Mm -hmm. And they were afraid of him because he was a World War I veteran and he fought under the French flag. He was a Buffalo soldier. And it's so crazy because they respected him like that. And another man, um, my my daughter's great my daughter's great grandfather, Mr. Joseph, um, they're the ones who made him cut the man down off the off the bridge. And two of the other guys, which was another kin cousin of mine, which was a Cheatham, and another man, they ran from Bayou Lafouche to the river, which is a long way. And one of them left and went to New Orleans, the other one they never seen him no more. He left and never came back. Wow. So what I'm saying is that this is deeply rooted in our roots for us to to be activists, to be us to stand up and speak. I was known as the bully killer. I didn't I would she she could tell you when I was she, they didn't like me in school because the guys who were being mean, I beat them up. You know, but it's like we have to take charge of our lives. We have to teach our children and our children's children. And I am so glad that you are here with this and you keep on doing what you're doing because it inspires me to keep on fighting, to keep teaching my kids and my grandkids what to do. And your beautiful wife, oh man, she is so awesome. She's an educator. You write, you teach. And it's like a perfect combination. It's like, you know, it's where the beans and rice mix and... You know, Arroz con frijoles. Yeah, you know, and, and, and it's Arroz con frijoles. Yeah. <laughs> what we got is red beans and rice and everything nice, baby. It's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. You know, but so many people don't get it is that where when they cause conflict in the, on our southern borders with, with these people, is that black and brown is the same thing. The same people who were building the temples in Egypt. South America and here in, in these, the mounds that are right up the road from us are the same people. We all are copper people. We're the same folks. The same blood runs through our veins. That's yeah, that's all sangre. So we got to know the truth. You know, as 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 you went through your after when you went to uh, when you didn't go to Vietnam, they arrested you. And then what happened after they arrested you? Well, they took me back to New York. I was arrested in Boston. Took me to New York, put me on trial. And one of the things that they didn't realize was that I played football. And I had a football injury mm -hmm. that wouldn't allow me to be 
drafted anyway. <laughs> but they didn't know that before they drafted me. So I used that as my leverage. They wanted me to trade three people that they thought I might know where they were. Three people who had, you know, refused the draft. One person was actually uh, what they call the deserted. Mm -hmm. And they wanted, they figured I knew where they were because my apartment in New York was a station on the Underground Railroad to Canada for draft resistance. Mm. So they tried, it didn't work. I had a, there's a whole story that mm -hmm. goes with my, my day uh, going through my, my induction physical as part of the deal. One of the things they make you do to, to, to demean you is to strip down to your underwear and your shoes. Mm -hmm. I decided I was going to have some fun mm -hmm. as long as I was there. So I stripped down to my shoes. I, I put my underwear in the little locker that they gave us. Mm -hmm. So when everybody's standing on the line and they tell you to turn your head and cough while they're holding, while they're yeah. cupping your nuts, yeah. I turned my head and cough, but there wasn't any underwear there. Yeah. And the guy jerked his hand back and said, You can't be here. Without any clothes on, wear your underwear. And this is the 70s. I just told him, I don't wear underwear. Yeah. So he told me I couldn't be there like that. So I was the only person who wasn't in uniform who was fully dressed during his entire induction. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't got no drawers on. <laughs> oh my God. But, you know. That, that's they the like thing to play that, the game. They don't know how to play the game. No, they don't. And, and see, this is the thing. Sun Tzu, in The Art of War, tells you you don't have to attack your enemy's troops. No. Right. You attack your enemy's strategy. That's right. So if the strategy is to humiliate and demean you, you attack that strategy right. by humiliating and demeaning them. That's right. The, our kids today don't realize that. No, no, you don't have to stand up and and sell wolf tickets and act right. all sorts of tough. Right. You just have to peep what the game is right. and figure out how to subvert it. But I think it's the children don't understand that purpose that they've been made to not understand that. Right. So that's the critical piece, to make sure that they can think about it and change their own minds about what's been done to them. That's why when my students you know, like I get a third grader, it's two years behind. My big job is to make sure that she or he understands that. It's not because they're not as smart as anyone else. It's because they've been through an educational system that has demeaned them. Yeah. And so you that's know. what they have to shed their minds of in order to move forward. Let me tell you about somebody that... I didn't realize, you know, I, you know, you, you teach automatically. Yeah. In the course of the struggle, you're teaching all the time. Right. And learning all the time. Mm -hmm. So that there's no barrier, no distinction between being teacher and learner. Right. You're doing both at the same time. And one of the guys that I worked with, Jorge Diaz, who now heads up a group called Ajitarte, yeah. which uses theater to do political education. Uh, we worked together for uh, two years 
in Boston, and then he went off to do his work. And a few years later, um, we hooked up in Boston again, and he was telling me a story about a community in Puerto Rico that he was working with. It was an Afro-Puerto Rican community that had been primarily involved in sugarcane production. Mm -hmm. And at that time, gentrification, which is happening all over, all the, over US, the United States, was also happening in Puerto Rico. Yeah. And they were gentrifying the area near this little village of Afro-Pocanicanias. And the first thing they did was they built this wall between the village and where they were going to be building these townhouses uh -huh. for these middle-class folks that they expected to move in. They called them gated communities? Yeah, you know. And what Jorge did, the folks were really upset about this wall. Mm. You know, we got to tear this wall down, you know. Mm. And all that stuff would be attacking the enemy's troops, tear right. down their wall. Jorge said, uh-uh, appropriate that wall. Right. What they did is they painted a mural on that wall right. depicting the history of that village. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then they told the people who built the wall, don't you touch this wall. Right. right. This is our wall. Right. And he, he told me that story. He said, damn, that's really great. Where'd you get that idea? He said, Ty, I got that idea from you. You told me about Sun Tzu and attacking the enemy strategy. And that's what we did. Damn. Well, you know, the, the thing that when you when you teach and your students come back uh -huh. and they they give you the um the thumbs up. The props. Yeah, the props. And you know, I taught I taught history, um, and I had these kids who were quote unquote the bad ones. You know. Give me can't 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 time. get can't get right, ain't gonna get right. And we went to a function, and all the kids were like, hey, Mr. Ike, so-and-so, so-and-so, so And she was like, well, okay, this is my wife, and we got kids, and I told my wife if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have graduated high school. And you know, I'm like, okay, I mean, you know. And then there's some that we lost, you know what I mean, because the streets called them, and they got caught up into that, that danger of being out there, but we, we live, learn, and we respect one another to the point to where we have to deal with the truth. And at the end of the day, a lie could never be the truth, and the truth could never be a lie. You know, and you know, it's just like I can remember, and I tell this story when your little sister, your baby sister, <laughs> became my little sister because of the family. And that's where the village comes in. That's where the tribe comes in. Is that we take care of our own. No matter what. No matter what was going on. How it was going on. We have to take care of our own. And I, and I laugh because. When Daz came from New York. And came to the Bayou. It was one of those summers that I got shipped to the Bayou. Because I was always. I lived in the cities. And, and no matter if I was in California or what. I got shipped home. So I got between Ella Mary Casting, Stella Gaines, Birdie, Ethel May Kenshin, all of these old ladies who sit on that bench who wore those white dresses, uh -huh. who will sing and hum and beat your butt and make <laughs> in, a heart, in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. 
thing was, okay, the adoption is this. It has nothing to do with, with paperwork or anything. It's sangria. It's the blood. We, we, we family. Primos. We, we, we are who we are. So as we love one another, it's continuing. And no matter what, we have to keep teaching that. You know, and the thing is, and then it's always going to be that, no matter what, where we are, who we are. And even when we're dead and gone, it's still going to be there because we have to teach our children's children, children, our immediate family, our indirect family, our family that we pick up on the side of the road, that we form this, this, this coalition to make sure that we cannot stop letting these people beat us and do us wrong. And what I've learned from my big cousin is that no matter what, keep fighting. No matter what. It doesn't have to get physical. You look him in the eyes and tell him, hey, guess what? If you touch me, there's going to be some problems. You know, there's going to be some repercussions and consequences. Remember you told me that there's going to be some repercussions? Step to me. Step to me. You. Yeah. I'm, because I'm not going to be the only one hurt. And guess what? I'm going to kick you in the nuts. It don't make no difference. But that's how I am. But we live, love, and laugh, and we continue to do the right thing. And this is real talk with your boy, Big Ike. And I love you guys, and I'm going to shut it down now because there's always going to be another show. And even if I got to call you on the phone and do it again. But give me something that you would like to say right now. And just off your, your, your being. When you live long enough, you become an elder. But... For me, an elder is an ancestor in training. Yeah. And to become an ancestor, you have to leave some stories behind so that people talk about you long after you're gone. So I'm building a body of stories so folks keep talking about me long time then. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yes. And talking about Berta. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mi compañera. Yeah. Mi tormenta. Yeah. So, my son, Timon Kachir, Basir. Love you with all my heart and soul, and I love this family. And this is who we are. And this is real talk. Love you, one love, one aim, and have a good, good night. Hey, 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 hey. It's your boy, Big Ike, Real Talk. And I am here with my La Familia. My family's here. I love these guys. My primo here is Mr. Ty DePass and his beautiful wife, Berta. And I just want to say thank you guys for coming into my beautiful city. Thank you for coming here and enjoying yourself and loving me and my beautiful wife, Lorraine. But um, the question, they like, I'm always at odds, but with Ty, it's this guy is an activist. He is a real, true fight to power activist. I'm talking about, I'm not even going to call that man who lives in the White House name, but he's been fighting this dude since back in the late 60s, early 70s. The mango man. The mango man. Little orange, whatever you want to call it. Tang. Tang. Okay, she calls him Tang. I call him 45. I could call him some other things, but we're going to... Captain Bonespur. Yeah, Captain Bonespur, who, who who walked away from going to the military. We're not going to bring that up, but... Hello, sir. How are you today? Man, I am enjoying the hell out of myself. Great, great, you great. You just took us over to, to, to hear some, some real New Orleans uh, 
coming down here, coming down here for 20 years since uh, our honeymoon wow. was down here 20 years ago. And we try to come back every year because we've got to recharge here or in Havana. Yeah, well, you know, this is, <laughs> you know, the, the, the thing about this place, and you're going to get to meet Juan one day, but the thing about this place is this is the most northern city in the Caribbean. I mean, Miami, but this is the northern city who still do the clave. And I hear this in my mind. That's how my heart beats. You know, I went through cancer and everything and had to go through the radiation and I listened to the clave, I listened to the music, the drums that I played kept me alive, you know, and my wife was like, you okay? She was like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm good, I'm winning, I'm gonna win any way it goes, but when you had to work the things you were working back in the 70s and, you know, you started off, how, how old were you when you started to be an activist? Oof, I was 15. Wow. 1964. Wow. My first job was in the anti-poverty programs. Okay. And uh, I got drafted as an organizer out of that. Okay. And Vietnam came up in the 60s. I was drafted in 1968. Wow. And had to tell folks that this brown behind was not available for Come on. Yeah, so they arrested wow. me. So you was you was you was fighting the power way back when? Yes, because of who inspired me. My great aunt Sissy, who's from down here. Aunt Sissy. Moved up during the Great Migration. The first rip. The first rip up to Harlem. During the Renaissance time. Doing that whole thing. And the the, the Harlem rent strikes. Yeah. Adam Clayton Powell, Daddy Grace. Yeah. All that yeah, stuff, yeah. you know, she, she witnessed all that, and, uh, you know, she helped me deal with my discovery of what it meant to be black in 1955 when I was six years old, and Jet Magazine published those photos <coughs> of, 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 of Emmett Till. Till. And, and you know, folks didn't realize that leaving the Jet sitting out on the coffee table, that I was going to pick it up and look at it. Yeah. And nobody wanted to talk about it, but Aunt Sissy said, let me tell you what's happening, Ronnie. This is the real tip. Yeah. And you have, she, she told me I had a choice. I could either spend my life in fear and hiding, or I could become what she called a race man. Yeah. And an activist and fight. So I chose becoming a race man. Now I call it becoming a peace and social justice activist. All right. All right. And you know, and I know she told you about when they hung Bruh Moore on the bridge oh. in Labadeville. Oh, yeah. And you know, when they came to hang Bruh Moore on the bridge, they came to my great-grandfather's and great-grandmother's house looking for our cousin, which was well, my uncle and your cousin, Uncle Blackjack, Newman Giyot. They came to look for him and my grandfather, Ralph Collins ran them off, mm -hmm. and they were afraid of him because he was a World War I veteran, and he fought under the French flag. He was a Buffalo soldier. And it's so crazy because they respected him like that. 
and, and another man, um, my my daughter's great my daughter's great grandfather, Mr. Joseph. Um, they're the ones who made him cut the man down off the off the bridge, and two of the other guys, which was another kin cousin of mine, which was a Cheatham, and another man, they ran from Bayonafouche to the river, which is a long way, and one of them left and went to New Orleans, the other one, they never seen him no more, he left and never came back, so what I'm saying is that this is deeply rooted in our roots for us to, to be activists, to be us to stand up and speak, I was known as the bully killer. I didn't, I would, she, she could tell you, when I was, she, they didn't like me in school, because the guys who were being mean, I beat them up, you know, but it's like, we have to take charge of our lives, we have to teach our children, and our children's children, and I am so glad that you are here with this, and you keep on doing what you're doing, because it inspires me to keep on fighting, to keep teaching my kids and my grandkids what to do. And your beautiful wife, oh man, she is so awesome. She's an educator. You write, you teach. And it's like a perfect combination. It's like, you know, it's where the beans and rice mix. And, you know. Rock on free holiday. Yeah, you know. And, and, and it's Say the, that again. Rock on free holiday. Yeah. What we got is red beans and rice and everything nice, baby. It's, it's the same thing. The yeah. same thing, yeah. you know, but so many people don't get it, is that where, where they cause conflict in, in our southern borders with, with these people, is that black and brown is the same thing. The same people who were building the temples in Egypt, South America, and here in, in these, the mounds that are right up the road from us are the same people. We all are copper people. We're the same folks. The same blood runs through our veins. That's yeah, that's all sangre. So we got to know the truth. You know, as 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 you went through your after when you went to uh, when you didn't go to Vietnam, they arrested you. And then what happened after they arrested you? Well, they took me back to New York. I was arrested in Boston. Took me to New York. Put me on trial. And one of the things that they didn't realize was that. I played football, and I had a football injury mm -hmm. that wouldn't allow me to be drafted anyway. <laughs> but they didn't know that before they drafted me. So I used that as my leverage. They wanted me to trade three people that they thought I might know where they were. Three people who had, you know, refused the draft. One person is actually uh, what they call the deserter. Mm -hmm. And they wanted, they figured I knew where they were because my apartment in New York was a station on the Underground Railroad to Canada for draft resistance. Mm. So they tried, it didn't work. I had a, there's a whole story that mm -hmm. goes with my, my day. Uh, going through my, my induction physical as part of the deal, one of the things they make you do to, to, to demean you is to strip down to your underwear and your shoes. Mm -hmm. I decided I was going to have some fun mm -hmm. as long as I was there. So I stripped down to my shoes. I, I put my underwear in the locker that they gave us. Mm -hmm. 
So when everybody's standing on the line and they tell you to turn your head and cough while they're holding, while they're yeah. coughing your nuts, yeah. I turned my head and cough, but there wasn't any underwear there. Yeah. And the guy jerked his hand back and said, you can't be here without any clothes on. Wear your underwear. And this is the 70s. I just told him, I don't wear underwear. Yeah. So he told me I couldn't be there like that. So I was the only person who wasn't in uniform who was fully dressed during his entire induction. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't got no drawers on. <laughs> oh my God. But, you know, that, that's they the like thing that... They like to play that, the game. They don't know how to play the game. Oh, they don't, and, and see, this is the thing. Sun Tzu, in The Art of War, tells you don't have to attack your enemy's rules. Right. You attack your enemy's strategy. That's right. So if the strategy is to humiliate and demean you, you attack that strategy right. by humiliating and demeaning them. That's right. The, our kids today don't realize that. Now, now you don't have to stand up and, and sell wolf tickets and act right. all sorts of tough. Right. You just have to peep what the game is right. and figure out how to subvert it. But I think it's the children don't understand that purpose. They've been made to not understand that. Right. So that's the critical piece, to make sure that they can think about it and change their own minds about what's been done to them. That's why when my students, you know, like I get a third grader, it's two years behind, my big job is to make sure that she or he understands that it's not because they're not as smart as anyone else. It's because they've been through an educational system that has demeaned them. Yeah. And so you that's know, what they have to shed their minds of in order to move forward. Let me tell you about somebody that I didn't realize, you know, I, you, know you, you teach automatically. Yeah. In the course of the struggle, you're teaching all the time. Right. And learning all the time. Mm -hmm. So that there's no barrier, no distinction between being a teacher and learner. Right. You're doing both at the same time. And one of the guys that I worked with, Jorge Diaz, who now heads up a group called Ejidarte, yeah. which uses theater to do political education. Wow. Uh, we worked together for uh, two years in Boston, and then he went off to do his work. And a few years later, um, we hooked up in Boston again, and he was telling me a story about a community in Puerto Rico that he was working with. It was an Afro-Puerto Rican community that had been primarily involved in sugarcane production. Mm -hmm. And at that time, gentrification, which is happening all over, all the, over US, the United States, was also happening. Yeah, and they were gentrifying the area near this little village of Afro-Pocatenos, and the first thing they did was they built this wall between the village and where they were going to be building these townhouses uh -huh. for these middle-class folks that they expected to move in. They called them gated communities. Yeah, you know. And what Jorge did, the folks were really upset about this wall. You know, we got to tear this wall down, you know. And all that stuff would be attacking the enemy's troops, tear down their wall. Jorge said, uh-uh. 
appropriate that wall. Right. What they did is they painted a mural on that wall right. depicting the history of that village. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then they told the people who built the wall, don't you touch this wall. That's right. This is our wall. Right. And he, he told me that story. He said, damn, that's really great. Where'd you get that idea? He said, Ty, I got that idea from you. You told me about Sun Tzu and attacking the enemy strategy, and that's what we did. I said, damn. Well, you know, the, the thing that when you, when you teach and your students come back and they, they give you the, um, the thumbs up, Props. Yeah, the props. And you know, I taught I taught history, um, and I had these kids who were quote unquote the bad ones. You know, Give me can't 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 get can't get right, ain't gonna get right. And we went to a function and all the kids were like, Hey Mr. Ike, so and so, so and so, so and she was like, Well okay, this is my wife. And we got kids, and I told my wife, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have graduated high school. And, you know, I'm like, okay. I mean, you know. And then there's some that we lost, you know what I mean, because the streets caught them, and they got caught up into that, that danger of being out there. But we, we live, learn, and we respect one another to the point to where we have to deal with the truth. And at the end of the day, a lie could never be the truth and the truth could never be a lie you know and you know it's just like I can remember and I tell this story when your little sister your baby sister <laughs> became my little sister because of the family and that's where the village comes in that's where the tribe comes in is that we take care of our own no matter what no matter what was going on how it was going on we have to take care of our own. And I, and I laugh because when Daz came from New York and came to the Bayou, it was one of those summers that I got shipped to the Bayou because I was always, I lived in the cities, and, and no matter if I was in California or what, I got shipped home. So I got between El Casting, Stella Gaines, Birdie, Ethel McKenzie, all of these old ladies, who sit on that bench, who wore those white dresses, uh -huh. who will sing and hum and beat your butt and make <laughs> in you a heart in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. But the thing was, okay, the adoption is this. It has nothing to do with, with paperwork or anything. It's sangria. It's the blood. We, we, we family. Primos. We, we, we are who we are. So as we love one another, it's continuing. And no matter what, we have to keep teaching that, you know. And the thing is, and then it's always going to be that, no matter what, where we are, who we are. And even when we're dead and gone, it's still going to be there because we have to teach our children's children, children, our immediate family, our indirect family, our family that we pick up on the side of the road, that we form this, this, this coalition to make sure that we cannot stop letting these people beat us and do us wrong. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned from my big cousin is that no matter what, keep fighting. No matter what. It doesn't have to get physical. You look him in the eyes and tell him, hey, guess what? If you touch me, there's going to be some problems. You know, there's going to be some repercussions and consequences. Remember you told me that? There's going to yeah. be some repercussions. Step to me. Step to me. me. Yeah. 
Cause I'm because I'm not gonna be the only one hurt. And guess what? I'ma kick you in the nuts. It don't make no difference. But that's how I am. But we live, love, and laugh, and we continue to do the right thing. And this is real talk with your boy Big Ike. And I love you guys, and I'm going to shut it down now because there's always going to be another show. And even if I got to call you on the phone and do it again, but give me something that you would like to say right now. And just off your, your, your being. When you live long enough, you become an elder. But for me, an elder is an ancestor in training. Yeah. And to become an ancestor, you have to leave some stories behind so that people talk about you long after you're gone. So I'm building a body of stories so folks keep talking about me long time then. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And talking about Berta. Yeah. Mi, mi, mi mujer. Yeah, yeah. Mi, mi, mi compañera. Yeah. Uh, mi tormenta. Yeah. <laughs> so, my son Timon Kachir, Basier, love you with all my heart and soul, and I love this family, and this is who we are, and this is real talk, love you, one love, one aim, and have a good, good night.